today's teaching. I want to jump right into part two of how to prosper during a financial crisis. And I am calling this the principles of prosperity, the principles of prosperity. Why? Because it is important for you to understand about those principles. It's important for you to understand why it is that we want you uh, to prosper in this uh, season. Uh, I've said to people before that what we're noticing is that the economists are starting to say all of the same things uh, that Holy Spirit has been saying to me. Pastor Sean and I were walking this week and I shared with her that I had read where um, or Exxon Mobile uh, were, were deciding that they were going to uh, lay off. They were going to lay off 15,000 people. 15,000 people were going to lose their job. Uh, and I want you to understand that it's not coincidence that these layoffs are coming around the same time that all of the protections uh, that the people who these companies, they receive large amounts of money to keep people employed uh, and they had to do so for a certain length of time. And now that that time is coming up, uh, now that that time is about the end, now that states are starting to say, hey, we're not going to extend extra benefits with unemployment. And we noticed that states are now telling people, OK, there's no longer eviction protection. Or there's no longer utility shutoff protection. Uh, and so we know that there's going to be a global uh, uh, financial crisis coming. It doesn't take a rocket science to figure that out. So when Holy Spirit begins to say, hey, listen. I want to reiterate to you that just because there is an economic crisis going on, there's not an economic crisis going on in heaven. And you and I are tied to heaven. Amen. My shirt today says tither. I thought about not wearing it, but I wanted to wear this today because I wanted to let you know that as a tither, you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and you have a right uh, to 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 expect for having to do what it what it said it would do for those who are tithers. And so we're going to talk about uh, prosperity tonight. But again, when we talk about prosperity, we're talking about social prosperity, emotional prosperity, vocational prosperity, relational prosperity, vocational prosperity, and also financial prosperity. We believe in total life prosperity. So tonight, as we get started, and I won't ask you to I say I won't. I might. I don't think I'm going to ask you to to put a bunch of information into uh, the comment section. But before we start tonight, I need you to do this one thing for me. And right now there's about 50 of you uh, on the various broadcasts. And so here's what I need you to do. I need you to type at least this one thing in the comment section. I need you to type God wants to be good to me. I need you to say that as we get started tonight, God wants to be good to me. It is his desire. It is his heartbeat. It is his passion. It is his love. God wants to be good to me. I don't want you to say God wants to be good to you. I don't want you to tell somebody else. I want you to tell you God wants to be good to me. And so that is going to be our premise tonight, that God wants to be good to me. And since God wants to be good to me, and more than likely you want God to be good to you, then we want to find out what we need to do to align ourselves to get into agreement with God, 
so that he can be as good to us as he wants to be. We don't want him to withhold his goodness from us. And so we want to find out in his word exactly uh, what that means. So I have about six scriptures that I want to start with tonight. And I'm just going to read them because I just want our Bible to speak to us tonight. I want our Bible to talk to us. And listen, if you haven't shared this broadcast tonight, you ought to go ahead and do it. If you don't do anything but put it on your page, if you don't do anything but put it in maybe one group that you have permission to put it in, you ought to share this. Why? Because people need to know God wants to be good to them. And, and it's going to seem like in the months and days ahead that God isn't being good to people. But I want you to know that God wants to be good to you. And I need you to hear it where you're in a place where things are good so that when the enemy tries to bring calamity and barrenness and destruction and lack and insufficiency your way, you don't go back to thinking, man, God doesn't love me or God doesn't want to bless me or God doesn't want to be good to me. I am telling you right now, God wants to be good to you and to me. God wants to be good to me. Amen. And so the first the first scripture I want us to look at is Second Chronicles 20 and 20. Now, look at this. It says, hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. He says, and this is Jehoshaphat speaking. He says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established, but believe his prophets and you shall you shall prosper. I am the prophet of God tonight speaking to you as you tune into this broadcast. I need you to believe in the Lord God, but I need you to hear me as your prophet when I tell you God wants to be good to you. I need you to settle that issue right now in this instant. God wants to be good to you. And then we're going to look at Joshua 1 and 8. Joshua 1 and 8 says, this book of the law, it shall not depart from my mouth. I shall meditate therein day and night so that I may observe to do. I'm going to use God's word, not as just something I read to put me to sleep. <laughs> I'm going to use God's word as something that I use so that I can observe it to do it. I want to learn God's word to do it. He says, according to all that is written in it. It says, for when I do that, I will make my way prosperous and I will have good success. God wants to be good to me. The way God wants to be good to me, he set up a system so that I would read his word, so that I would read his word with the intention of doing his word, so that when I do his word, I make my way prosperous and I make myself have good success. It's not just me, it's God wanting to be good to me. And when God wants to be good to me, he'll give me instructions about how I need to proceed. Because then when I begin to proceed down the course of life that God has for me, everything is good. Everything is successful and everything is prosperous. That's why the Bible says in 3 John 2, which is our third scripture, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. In other words, I want you to prosper in your relationships. I want you to prosper at your job. I want you to prosper financially. I want you to prosper emotionally. I want you to prosper mentally. I want you to be clothed and in your right mind. I want you to be free of stress, fear, worry, and doubt. He says, I want you to prosper in all things and I want you to be in health. I want you to be healthy in your body. I want you to be in health in your mind. He says, and I wanted to do it to the same level that your soul is prospering. 
He says, how is your soul going to prosper? Because we're going to do what he said in Joshua 1 and 8, which is to read his word. We're going to observe his word that we may do his word so that as we're living on this earth, we are living a prosperous and successful life. And then we're going to take a look at Psalms 1. Verse one through three. These are all scriptures you've heard before, but I just I'm I'm setting the stage because I need some foundation so that you will understand that God absolutely wants to be good to you. In fact, you're I'm giving you free reign that anytime you think about that, you can put it in the comment. I don't care what I'm talking about. If it come to your mind, God wants to be good to me. You can just put it in the comment, copy and paste it so you don't even have to write it. I want everybody to, to leave this broadcast tonight with the understanding, with there being no doubt that God wants to be good to you. God wants to show us how to prosper during a financial crisis. And he has he has literally left breadcrumbs along the way to teach us the principles of total life prosperity. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, watch this, is in the law of the Lord or the ways of the Lord. It says, and in his law, in his ways, does that man meditate day and night. I'm always thinking about how would God handle this? Holy Spirit, speak to me. Tell me what heaven would have me to do. It says that man who does that, the one who delights in the law of the Lord and the one whose law and he meditates day and night, he shall be like a tree, glory to God, planted by the rivers of water. Watch this, that brings forth its fruit in its season. In other words, we're talking about fruitfulness. Tonight, you're going to hear me talk about God's covenant of fruitfulness. God has a covenant of fruitfulness that has been entrusted for your life. The enemy job is to get you to come into agreement with his covenant of bearingness. He wants you to come into agreement with his covenant of bearingness. How do I escape the covenant of bearingness? The Bible says in Psalms 1, 1 through 3, it says, my delight must be in the law of the Lord. It says, and in his law, I need to meditate day and night. It says, when that happens, I become, he uses an example here. He says, I become like a tree who is planted by the rivers of water. He says, and I bring forth my fruit in its season. He says, and my leaf, watch this, shall also not wither and whatsoever I do shall prosper. If we was in church, I'd have you high five your neighbor and say, girl, God wants to be good to me. God wants to be good to me. He is he 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 set up a system so that all I have to do is operate in that system and I allow him to be as good to me as he wants to be. He says I'm going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He says and I'm going to bring forth fruit in my season. He said in my leaf, that leaf represents our life. My life shall not wither. My life shall not be dry. My life shall not be barren. My life should not be full of lack and insufficiency. That's right, BJ. God wants to be good to me. And whatsoever I do, now watch this, 
Why can I say whatsoever? Because I'm only doing what God told me to do because my delight is in the Lord. So I'm not doing something that's counterintuitive to what God has told me to do. I'm not doing something that's contradictory to that. I'm meditating a, a, a day and night in the law of the Lord, the things he's told me to do. So as long as I'm in that lane, as long as I'm in that vein, whatsoever I do shall prosper. Why? Because God wants to be good to me. And then we look at Psalms 35 and 27. Psalms 35 and 27. Someone said, this is a lot of scripture. You need a lot of scripture to ground you because when things are going on all around you, the enemy will try to whisper to you and get you to think that God doesn't want you to be prosperous or God has forgotten about you or God ain't thinking about you. But baby, I come to tell you tonight, God wants to be good to you. Psalms 35 and 27 says, let them, and, and see, at, at church, we respond. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad. We'd take a 13-second praise break if we was all together, and we just give God a good old shout of praise. We would say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. We'd high-five our neighbor. Why? Because it says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor his righteous cause. Listen, I got a reason to be joyous. Why? Because I favor God's righteous cause. It says, and then let them say continually. That's us. Let us say continually. That means no matter whether it's a good season, a bad season, a dark season, a light season, whether things are up or whether things are down. It says, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in who? The prosperity of his servants. Tell somebody else, God wants to be good to me. God wants to be good to me. Listen, you may have some pets laying around. Tell them God wants to be good to me. Listen, you got goldfish swimming somewhere. Tell them God wants to be good to me. He says, let the Lord be magnified. Why? Because the Lord takes pleasure in your prosperity. Why? Because it makes him feel good because he wants to be good to you. And then we look at Leviticus 26.35. Somebody says, he just going to give a scripture tonight? No, I'm going to give you something else, but we're going to get rooted in this word tonight. Leviticus 26.3-5. It says, if you walk in my statutes, watch this, and keep my commandments and perform them, he says, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. That sounds like prosperity to me. I ain't no farmer, but that sounds like some good happening right there. He says, if I walk in his statutes and I keep his commandments and I perform them, then he will give me rain when I need it. Glory to God. He says, my land will then produce all of his produce. That means everything I sown is going to produce a harvest. He says, and the trees of the field are going to yield their fruit. He says, your threshing, watch this, shall last till the time of vintage. And the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. Let me help you real quick. Here's what he said in the vernacular. He says, if you will do what I tell you to do, he said, if you will keep my commandments and if you will perform them the way I ask you to perform them, he said, I'm going to be the one responsible for making sure whatever you need to prosper is available for you. He says, not only am I going to make it available for you, I'm going to oversee to make the harvest come forth. He says, everything you put your hand to, I'm going to cause it to prosper. He says, and it's going to prosper so much that whatever you do from January to March, 
it's going to prosper you until April, May and June come around. And then it's going to prosper you until July, August and September comes. And it's going to prosper you until October, November and December comes. And then it's going to prosper you. He says, and then once you've been consistent with it, you're going to have so much prosperity coming up in every season. You won't know whether it's dressing time or whether it's the vintage time. He says, I want to be so good to you. There will be no absence in prosperity of your seasons. Somebody ought to tell God, somebody ought to tell their neighbor, God wants to be good to me. I'm telling you, God wants to be good to me. This may just sound like encouragement to you tonight, but I'm telling you, this is Bible. God wants to be good to you. And God established this. We've said this before, and we'll talk about it a little bit tonight. He's established this through his covenant. This is what he said to the Levitical priesthood. He says, listen, y'all. He says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, he says, I'm going to give you rain in this season. The land is going to yield its produce. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage and vintage shall last till the time of sowing. And you shall eat your bread. Watch this to the full and dwell in your land safely. When he says you're going to eat your bread to the full, here's what he's saying. There shall be no lack. God wants to be so good to you because he wants you to live a life where there is no lack. It's not socially, not emotionally, not vocationally, not relationally, and not financially, not mentally, and not emotionally. He wants you to be full. He wants you to be full in every area. This is what he said to Job in Job 36 and 11. He says, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days. Watch this. They shall spend their days in what? Prosperity. And they're going to spend their years in what? Pleasure. That sounds like God being good to somebody. Listen, we say this all the time. God's going to be good to somebody. Y'all know the rest of it. It might as well be me. God's going to be good to somebody. He is going to bless somebody. He's going to shower favor on somebody and it might as well be me. Watch this. God doesn't want there to be any lack in his children's lives. I was reading this book and I won't have time to talk all about it tonight, but I was reading this book about about kings and what it meant to be a king. And one of the things the book said is that if you were a king, the way you, uh, in essence, flossed your wealth and your riches to other kingdoms, this is obviously way before social uh, media and all that stuff, is you had to make sure that all of your citizens were well taken care of. Because when people used to come to your kingdom and they would see all of your citizens were well-dressed, all of your citizens were well-fed, all of your citizens were in good health, all of your citizens were happy, then they understood that that was a king who had an abundance of, of wealth and prosperity because their people did good. And I was thinking about that. Nobody, even though Kim Jong-un, and we call him a dictator, uh, even though he is a ruler or a king over North Korea, nobody thinks about North Korea being a good place. Why? Because we know that even though he may be living lavishly, all of his subjects are living poorly. God says, I don't want my kids living poorly. 
I want all of my citizens taken care of. I want all of them being in good health. I want all of them wearing good, driving good, looking good, feeling good. Why? Because it's a representation of me as the king. Listen, God wants to be good to me. Amen. Listen, scripture is irrefutable that God wants to be good to his children. It is without question that scripture is clear that God did not create mankind just for him to live a life where he suffers and be in agony all the days of his life. And then at some point he eventually dies and then gets to spend eternity in heaven. God wants us to live so that heaven on earth is in us. He wants us to be in the earth representing heaven to all around. He doesn't want us living in agony and suffering at every turn. Scripture is irrefutable that God wants to be good to us. We are God's product. Mankind is God's product. And God created a perfect system with a perfect man. But then that system and that man was tampered with. And then as it was tampered with, it was corrupted. And as a result, this corruption, and you know the corruption, the fall of man, the Garden of Eden, the whole story, the corruption has now manifested in the form of sickness, in the form of disease, in the form of shame, in the form of famine, in the form of lack, in the form of nakedness, in the form of barrenness, and in the form of insufficiency. And God says, you don't have to live in that system, even though that system exists because of sin, I've made a way of escape for you so that you can live a higher life, so that you can live at a higher level than having to be subjugated to all of the things that sin brought with it. I believe in my heart that the hour has come for us to liberate the world from all of the all of the oppression of the devil especially financial oppression and especially financial oppression of God's children. And I believe it happens through the preaching of the word of faith. It is the reason God has been on me about not being bashful or shameful about teaching what he's taught me. He's like, it's not good enough for you just to share it with you and your tribe. There are other people who are willing to hear it. And, and somebody said something the other week that really set me free. They said the folk who are going to talk about you for teaching this are going to talk about you no matter what. But the people who hear it and get their lives changed, that's the reason that you're doing it. So I decided to be bold and to just teach this the same way God has given it to me. And so we need to be preaching the word of faith. What is the word of faith? The word of faith is God's word. It is his guarantee for the liberation of all mankind. Somebody go ahead and just say it again. God wants to be good to me. God wants to be good to me. I was reading, I saw this in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 in the voice translation, and it made so much sense. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 in the voice translation says, long ago, at different times and in various ways, God's voice came to our ancestors through the Hebrew prophets. Now, that's important because remember what we said earlier about prophets, right? We said to believe in God and you'll be what? Established, but believe in his prophets and you shall what? Prosper. It says so long time ago, 
in various ways, God's voice came to our ancestors uh, through the Hebrew prophets. Verse two says, but in these last days, it has come to us, watch this, through his son, the one who has been given dominion over all things and through whom all worlds were made. He said in times past, they had to have prophets to speak. He says, but now we're living in the dispensation where, where this promise comes through God's son. And why is it important that it comes through God's son? Because he is the one who has been given dominion over what? All things. That means anything the enemy tries to use to take me out of prosperity, if I'm in Christ, if I'm in Jesus, it's higher than whatever that situation is. Because he has dominion over all things and through him, all the worlds were made. Verse three says, this is the one who imprinted with God's image, shimmering with his glory, sustains all that exists through the power of his word. I love this. If I had, if, if everybody had a Bible, we was in Bible study, I'd make you highlight that. Sustains all that exists through the power of his word. So if God promises me prosperity, but I live in this Babylonian system that is experiencing hard times, which one am I subject to? I'm only subject to the one that sustains through the power of his word. His word is strong enough to uphold me through bad economic times. His word, watch this, is strong enough to uphold me even through times of heartbreak. So even when I lose, lose someone close to me, even when someone betrays me, even when something happens and disappoints me, I don't have to give in to depression. I don't have to give in to, to grief. I don't have to give in to sadness. I'm not saying you don't experience those things. I'm saying I don't have to give in to them. Why? Because in Jesus Christ, he is the one imprinted with God's image. He is the one shimmering with his glory. He is the one who sustains all that exists, and he does it through the power of his word. It says he was seated at the right hand of God once he himself had made the offering that purified us from all of our sins. Don't miss this. Remember, I said earlier when I was talking, I said that we were given this wonderful covenant. But then because uh, something happened, we know what happened in the garden. We know what happened with Adam and Eve. The enemy came and he corrupted and, 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 and he messed up this system. God says, just because the system got corrupted don't mean you have to live in a corrupted system. He said, I gave you Jesus. He says, and the reason I gave you Jesus, and for those of us who have accepted Christ into our life, we need to elevate to this mindset. He says, I've given you Jesus. He is the one who is imprinted with my image. He is the one who is shimmering with my glory. He is the one who sustains all that exists through the power of his word because I gave him the power to do it. And he is now seated at my right hand because he became the offering, glory to God, that purified all of you from your sins. So you are no longer subject to living according to this broken system. God says you were you 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 were born into a broken system, but when you got reborn, I took you out of that broken system and put you into a perfected system. Glory to God. Somebody ought to say, God wants to be good to me. 
God wants to be good to me. He wants to be so good to me that he plucked me up out of a broken system and put me into a system that works perfectly. The question will be, will I live in the perfect system and try to behave like I'm still in the broken system? Because if I'm living in God's perfect system, but still acting like I'm in the broken system, then I'm no more worthy than a child who has dominion over everything, but still has governors and rulers telling them what to do. God wants to be good to me and God wants to be good to you. But we have to make the decision that we have left that old broken system and we are now living under this covenant that God has made available. In other words, no matter what your current predicament may be, it is not above God's word. No matter what you are going through, you hear me? I don't care what situation it is. It is not above what God said about it. What did you, you got somebody in your family going through? What did God say about it? You got you going through something in your finances? What did God say about it? And in fact, I said I wasn't gonna have you to write a lot of stuff, but I do want you to write this say, God always has the last word. God always has the last word. Whatever my situation is, if I don't give up, if I don't cave in and I don't quit, God always has the last word. It is not above God, no matter the source. I don't care how it came. I don't care who it came from. I don't care whether it came from the, 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 the deepest pits of hell. God always has the last word. It ain't over till God says it's over. And if God didn't declare it was over, it ain't over. Why? We said this on Sunday, because the covenant is always stronger than any climate or environment that comes against it. The covenant, glory to God, is always stronger than any climate or any environment that tries to come against it. So if you are connected to God's covenant, I don't care what's trying to come against you. You are stronger in God's covenant. That's the real meaning of greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is the covenant that I'm connected to than anything in the world trying to come against me. The covenant is always stronger than any climate or environment that tries to come against it. I was reading this week and the Lord began to speak to me and I wrote this down. He said, financial lack is a spiritual issue. It's not an issue of your education. It's not an issue of your gender. It's not an issue of your race. It's not an issue of your nationality. It's not an issue of your intellect. He said financial lack is a spiritual issue because you can be whatever gender, you can be whatever race, you can be whatever nationality, and you can have whatever intellect. If you connect to the covenant, the covenant will do its job, which will cause you to live a life of prosperity. Listen, you don't have to believe it, but you can see it all throughout the Bible. Everybody that was connected. They, it, listen, even you think about Moses. Moses had a stammering problem. He had a stammering problem. But the Bible says that when God sent him to Pharaoh and he asked God, he says, well, well, well what about my, my stammering issue? I, I stutter. I'm not of eloquent speech. He says, who should I say sent me? He said, you tell him I am sent you. 
He says, "You t- the fact that I sent you qualifies you to be everything you need to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Some of y'all ought to tell some sickness to let you go. Some of you ought to tell some financial debt to let you go. Some of you ought to tell some health challenges to let you go. Some of you ought to tell some stress. Let me go. God wants to be good to me. I declare you have no right to be here. I am part of the covenant and the covenant is stronger than anything in the, in the environment or anything that tries to come against me. But you got to understand that finances and anything else, they're really not material issues. They are issues. They're spiritual issues. It is a spiritual issue which transverses geographical, economical, and social barriers. Everybody can become subject to God's system or they can choose to be subject to the system of this world. It doesn't matter where you are geographically. It doesn't matter whether you are economically. It doesn't matter where you are socially. You have to understand all I need to do is to connect to the covenant, because if I connect to the covenant, the covenant will do its job. As this problem has, as you think about it, this problem has reduced many civilized men to crawling around and begging and doing all sorts of ungodly things just to get what God has already placed in trust to them. Think about that. There are people out here who who they, they call it hustling. Uh, but 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 they're being dishonest and they're cheating and they're lying and they're stealing. They're selling their body and they're doing all kind of immoral things. Why? Because they're trying to get what God has already made available to them, but they don't understand that it's available to them in a trust. And all they have to do is qualify for it. And all they got to do to qualify for it is to accept Jesus, to meditate in his word so that they can do his word. Because when they begin to do that, the covenant takes care of the rest of it. Go ahead and just type this in the comment section. Say, I am not a beggar. I am not a beggar. I don't have to beg God, and I sure don't have to beg the devil. All I got to do is to come into agreement with God's covenant. See, I have learned over the years the answer to true financial security. And understand something. I'm not saying I have arrived. I'm saying I know what it's like not to have enough. I know what it's like to have almost enough. And I know what it's like to have just enough. And I know what it's like to have more than enough. But I'm going to find out what what it's like to have way more than enough. Why? Because the more I stay in the covenant, the more the covenant blesses me. The problem for some people is what they do is they find themselves in a bind financially, emotionally, mentally, socially, relationally, vocationally, whatever it is. And then they run to the covenant. And because God is so good, when you come to the covenant, the covenant do what it do. <laughs> the covenant just do what it do. So you run to God because everything was so bad and the covenant begins to do what the covenant does, which is to cause prosperity and health and wealth and fruitfulness to come onto your life. And then then you figure out, oh, things are good. And then you run back like a dog to his vomit, back to that same old raggedy system that did not benefit you before. When you didn't have but a dollar to tie, you was faithful. But now you need to be tied in a thousand dollars. Now you're talking about you can't give no thousand dollars to no church. Understand the enemy's just trying to pull you back to the vomit. He's trying to pull you back to the stuff that had you so sick. You ran to God in the first place. Glory to God. 
You got to understand kingdom, financial security cannot be found anywhere but in Jesus. It's the only place it can be found. It can be found in Jesus. And that's the reason we see what he says in Mark 11 and 28. In Mark 11 and 28, he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He says, and I will give you rest. If I could, if I was to write a, a Negro version of the Bible, here's what it would say in Matthew 11 and 28. Y'all need to stop working so hard. Y'all is toiling. Come to me, baby, and get some sleep. That's what it would say. Why? Because that's what he's saying. Y'all out here toiling and you cheating and you scheming and you doing all kind of manner of evil to get what I already have available for you. He says, come unto me, all ye that, <laughs> that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the answer to the problem of financial lack. And I'm preaching this because six months from now, there are going to be people who need to come on back to this word because they didn't heed it when we were teaching it before the calamity came. But I, I can't worry about that. All I can do is my assignment. And God has put me on assignment to position you so that when calamity shows up, it doesn't bother you. It's like the Bible says over in Jeremiah, it says the man who puts his trust in man won't even see when good comes. He says, but the man who puts his trust in God, when calamity comes, he won't see the calamity. It's all about what you're going to be focusing on. And they're going to keep talking about jobs being laid off. They're going to keep talking about the fact that unemployment benefits are cut. You're going to start to see on the news large numbers of people who literally are going to have their homes foreclosed on and people who are going to be evicted. You're going to be seeing them talk about the homelessness rate go up. All I can tell you is that don't have to be you. You can be connected to the kingdom in such a way that that calamity doesn't come near you. God said to me when I was praying the other day, he said, literally, he gave me a vision that it would be just like in the book of Exodus. He says, when they took that blood and they did it with the hyssop and they put that blood over the doorpost of their door, it says the death angel came to every single door. He didn't skip a door. Every place there was a firstborn, he showed up. The only thing that staved him off was the blood. The only thing that stayed him off was the fact that they followed God's instruction. They didn't just dip the blood. He gave them a certain way, even how they had to cook the goat and the lamb. He said, this is how you got to prepare it. They did everything God said. And when calamity came, it came to their door, but couldn't come in their house. Oh, glory to God. Somebody ought to say that. Calamity may come to my door, but it won't come in my house. Financial disaster, emotional disaster, mental disaster, vocational disaster. Listen, it may come to my door, but it can't come in my house. Why? Because I'm covered by the blood. Why? Because I follow instruction. Amen. Glory to God. Think about this. Nobody else in the world could have been so audacious except for Jesus Christ to invite all of mankind into abundance. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, all of y'all, 
Who in the world could be that audacious except for our Jesus? He says, all of y'all can come. I got enough abundance that I can overflow all of y'all with everything you ever wanted and needed and everything you could ever give out and I still wouldn't be tapped out. He says, I'm so audacious, I invite all of mankind into abundance. He lets us know this again when we read Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. We won't read it again, but that's what he said. He says, listen, he's the imprinted image. <laughs> Glory to God of God. He's the shimmering image of his spirit. All things have been permitted into his hand. He has dominion over everything. And since Jesus has dominion over everything and we are in Christ, then that means we too have dominion over everything Christ has told us we are to rule over. See, I don't have dominion over the stuff God told Chris. I don't have dominion over the stuff God told Ralph. I don't have dominion over the stuff thing he told Pastor Sean or Chandra or Pastor Nitra or anybody else. I don't have dominion over that. I do have dominion, however, over, however, everything God told me that was supposed to be under my authority. And I don't have to let no devil, no imp, no demon, no nothing come and steal it from me. Why? Because God wants to be good to me. Because God wants to be good to me. Listen, we have a covenant guarantee against lack and insufficiency. Let's take a look at John 8, 31. John 8, 31 and 32 says this. If you hold on to my teachings. Now, why would he say hold on? Because there's going to be an opportunity to let it slip. He says, but if you hold on to my teachings. Why do I need to hold on? Because in life, things can begin to happen. And sometimes my life gets so good because I'm connected to the covenant. I forget that I didn't make myself be in the position that I'm in. It's like it's, it's like people when they start off and they ain't got nothing. They, they really humble to God. And then as God begins to progress them, they forget that it was God who got them to where they are. Then they let the word slip. They let his teaching slip. When, when you didn't, when you didn't, when you didn't have gas to put in a boat, and now God has blessed you with the boat, rather than you spending time, you on the lake doing your thing, ain't thinking about God. When you didn't have a car, you was bombing a ride, you was praying, speaking in tongues while you was walking in three miles to work. But now God doesn't bless you with a car. Now you ain't got time for a devotion. He says, Don't fall into the enemy's trap. He says, if you hold on to my teaching then you are really my disciples. He says, and if you're my disciples, he says, then you will know the truth. He says, and the truth will do what? Make you free. The truth will make you free. That's right, Chris. Keep that same energy. You got to learn to keep the same energy when you ain't got nothing so that when God bless you with a whole bunch, you don't lose or let go of his teachings. Let's look at Exodus 23, 25, and 26. You and I, I'll say it again, we have a covenant guarantee against lacking insufficiency in our life. Exodus 23, 25, and 26 says this, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread, glory to God, and he's going to bless your water. He said, and he's going to take sickness away from the midst of you. He says, there shall be nothing cast, there shall nothing cast their young or be barren in thy land and the number of thy days will fulfill. In other words, he says it like this. He says, you are going to serve the Lord. And while you're walking in agreement with this covenant, here's what you're going to find out. God, God is going to bless everything you need 
every resource you have. He's going to bless your bread. He's going to bless your water. Those are representations of things, of sustenance. He says, God's going to bless your sustenance. You need a job to work, God's going to bless it. You, you want to be an investor, God's going to bless it. He said, whatever the resources you need to sustain the life I've called you to, it says, God is going to bless it. That's your bread and that's your water. He says, and I'm going to take sickness away from you. Why? Because beloved above all, I would that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. He says, I want you to be in health. I'm going to take that away from you. He says, and there shall nothing cast their young. He says, so, and listen, this is a promise for those of you who are expecting children. I know that they're saying that, that, that the mortality rate is going up and the number of women who have miscarriages is going up, but there's a promise in the Bible right there. It says, there shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren. Listen, I don't know who you are, and I don't know if you're watching this live or on replay, on replay, but you've been believing God to get pregnant. Tonight, today, this week is your week. You need to receive this word, married woman. Let me add that. Let me add that. Married woman, this is your word, praise God, that nothing shall cast their young nor be barren in the land. And the number of your days will fulfill. In other words, I ain't done early. My 50th birthday is going to be January 1st of 2021. I was saying the other day that uh, 22, 22, 2022, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 50 years old. And I was saying the other day, it's just half my life. I'm, 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 I'm making a hundred, 99 and a half just won't do. I'm making a hundred and then some. Why? Because the promise is, is that if I stay connected to the covenant and I do what God is saying, that my days will be fulfilled. Amen. Listen, there is a platform that you can, there, there's a platform that you can stand on and commit God to, to bless and keep you from the plagues uh, of lacking insufficiency. There's a platform. What's the platform I stand on? It's the covenant. The covenant is my platform. I can stand on the platform and I can declare, I can say, I declare that God's going to be good to me sickness will not be my uh, uh, lineage in life. And, and I'm going to live to a ripe old age because I've been promised to do so. Amen. If the platform is called the covenant and it is the most potent force in the world of the spirit, the covenant is the most potent force in the world of the spirit. And it is a stronghold for us in times of conflict in our life. We, we talk about strongholds. Strongholds aren't just bad because we talk about breaking the strongholds. But you want to have strongholds in your life. You want to have strongholds against the enemy. You want to have strongholds against lack. You want to have strongholds against insufficiency. You want to have strongholds against having mental breakdowns. You want to have strongholds against having health challenges. And so a stronghold just simply means a fortified place. The covenant is my fortified place. The covenant is the place. That's why Psalms 91 tells us that we run into God. Why do we run to him? Because when we run into his covenant, everything we need is found there. Everything we need. We talked about this the other week, but let's just say it again. A covenant is a contract that involves two or more people. In this case, it is between God and you. And with God, he is the covenantor and you are the covenantee. 
In other words, he is the one who's holding the covenant and you are the one reaping the benefits of the covenant. Inside that partnership agreement, both of you have some responsibilities. God says, when I made my part, I looked around and I was like, who can I make this covenant by? I could make it by the stars, but they ain't really the thing I need to make it by. He says, I can make it by the clouds, but that ain't really who I need to make it by. He said, I can look into heaven and I can swear by man, but that ain't going to do it. He said, I need this covenant to be so sure I can only swear by one person. And he said, okay, I'll do it. I swear to God, I'm going to bless you. I swear to God that whatever I put in this covenant, I'm going to keep my part. In fact, I base who I am on it. If this covenant doesn't do what it says it's going to do and I don't keep my part, I'll give up being God. I am telling you, you ain't got nothing to worry about when you enter into a contract with God. God says, I am going to be a covenant keeping God. That's why the psalmist declared in Psalms 89 and 34 that God's covenant, he will not break, nor will he alter the thing that has gone out of his lips. What did God promise you? What did God say to you? What did God tell you? I know he told us at the beginning of this year that it was the season of great harvest and it was the year release. I heard the woman of God of this house say that this was a five to one year. I also heard the woman of God say that this that God was going to give us instructions, seemingly insignificant instructions that were going to propel us into the next five to seven years. So I am telling you, God is unwilling to go back on his covenant. The issue of fruitfulness is fulfilled in God's covenant. Let me say that again. The issue of fruitfulness. Some people don't see themselves as being fruitful. They don't see themselves as, as, as being successful. They don't see themselves as being able to, 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 to make their way out. I am telling you that the issue of fruitfulness is fulfilled in God's covenant promise. That is why when God was pouring out blessings on his people, he committed himself to their fruitfulness. Say this, say, God is committed to my fruitfulness. I knew I was going to have you say some stuff, but I didn't think it was going to be this much. But go ahead and say it. Say, God is committed to my fruitfulness. God is committed to my fruitfulness. How do I know that? Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7 through 14, it says, thou shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female bearing among you or among your cattle. And that's the reason I know in this particular section, he's not just talking about childbirth because notice what he says. He says, thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be what? Male or female bearing. That word bearing is the opposite of being fruitful. We have a covenant of fruitfulness. He says, when you are in this covenant, you are going to be blessed. That word blessed means what? Empowered to prosper. He says, and you're going to be empowered to prosper above all people. He says, and, and watch this. He didn't say based on your education. He didn't say based on your gender, based on your skin tone, based on how, how, how tall or short, how, how thin or fat, uh, or, or whether you're from the south or the north, the east or the west. He just said, if you are connected to the covenant, you're going to be empowered to prosper above all people. He says, there shall not be male or female bearing among you. Say it again. Say, God is committed. 
to my fruitfulness. God is committed to my fruitfulness. I am telling you, we are, God says, I'll stop being God if you link up with this covenant and you still be buried. He said, it's impossible. That's the reason my spiritual father used to say this and he said, he still says it, but he said it years ago. And those who are connected to FOC and heard this, we, we, we've, we've latched on to this. No man, y'all could probably finish this, comes to Jesus, what? And does not receive. Amen. Why? Because God is committed to my fruitfulness. God was in essence saying in Deuteronomy 7 and 14, he says, I know that there is a force of lack and insufficiency at work in the earth, but because you belong to me, you shall neither be in lack or be in insufficiency in anything I call you to. That is the reason I'm not afraid to give God whatever he asked for. Why? Because he's made a promise that even if I gave him everything I had in the next moment, I needed something. God has committed to making sure I have what I need. Why? Because God is committed to my fruitfulness. Go ahead and say it again. Say, God wants to be good to me. Don't let it slip. God wants to be good to me. In fact, when I link up with the covenant, God puts me on his priority list. When I link up with God's covenant, I get put on God's priority list. What do you mean? I mean, yes, the Bible says God makes a difference between us and them. You can read that in the Old Testament. He talks about that, that there are, there are some people who are connected to God and God makes a difference between those that are connected and, and those that aren't. He loves us all the same. Don't get me wrong. I ain't saying he don't love us all the same. He loves us all the same. But but you get moved on God's priority list, so to speak, when you are connected with the covenant, because the covenant begins to work for you and it's greater than anything working against you. And if you're not on God's priority list because you're not being connected to the covenant, you're not meditating on his word, you're not looking to do his word, you're not loving his law, then the reason that you're not prospering is because you got something working against you, but you don't have something greater than that working for you. Understand, many Christians are just like that today. Many Christians are like that today. They do not know what they have in the covenant. And as a result, they are they're being beat at every turn. Why? Because they aren't applying themselves to the terms of the covenant. Hear me. Fruitfulness is not reserved exclusively for a few lucky people. I hate when people say, well, that happened to T.D. Jakes because that's T.D. Jakes. Or that happened to Pastor Dollar because that's Pastor Dollar. Or that happened to Oprah because that's Oprah. Or that happened to Elon Musk because that's Elon Musk. Listen, those people are just living out their genius. And I'm not saying that they know God or don't know God. What I'm saying is that when you live out your genius, when you live out the thing that God has told you to, there's always going to be some tangible benefit. But the Bible says that God is able to add prosperity, wealth and riches to you without sorrow. In other words, you don't know what those other people are going through. You don't know. I remember Robin Williams when he when, when, when they made the announcement that he had taken his life and nobody could believe how could someone living in Hollywood, someone be so revered, someone who everybody loved, somebody who he made people laugh every single day of his life. How could he take his own life because he had all that stuff, but he didn't have peace with God. 
And what good does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? We're talking about how to prosper in a financial crisis and not lose our souls. The, a covenant always has terms. A covenant always has agreements. And it always must be fulfilled before certain attendant benefits can follow. Let's take a look real quick at 2 Chronicles 15 and 3. 2 Chronicles 15 and 3. And some of this, Pastor Sean and I are actually going to come back and finish up on Sunday. So you don't want to miss Sunday. 2 Chronicles 15, verse 3, verse 5, verse 12, and verse 15. It says, for a long season, Israel hath been without a true God and without a teaching priest. And they were without law. And in those times, there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. There was nothing but great vexations that were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. It says, but they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord of their fathers. Now, notice this. He says, he says, for a long season, Israel was without a true God, and they didn't have solid teaching from a, from a holy priest, and they were without law. They, 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 they didn't have anything uh, they were living by. It says, and in those times, there was not peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. For him that went out or for him that came in. It says, all it was was great vexations. That's all it was. Great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of those countries. It says, but they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord of their fathers with all of their heart and with all of their soul. It says, and all of Judah rejoiced at the oath for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him, him the Lord, with their whole desire. And he was found of him, the Lord. It says, and the Lord, watch this, gave them rest. Hear me tonight. Some of you want prosperity so bad in, in, in various areas, and you're trying to do everything you can to get it, but it keeps eluding you. It keeps running from you. It's like it's hiding from you. You need to do what Israel did, and you need to come into covenant with God and say, God, I lay down my life and I choose to do it your way. You have free reign to instruct me on what I should do, how I should do it, and when I should do it. And I am going to be willing to do it your way with a glad heart. Why? Because the Bible says when they came into covenant, all of Judah rejoiced. It says, and as they rejoiced from their hearts that they had gave their life to God, it says, then the Lord gave them rest round about them. And I like it. It says he gave them rest round and about them because previously all they had were vexations. Every time they tried to do this, they were vexed. Every time they tried to do that, they were vexed. Every time they got a great idea and they pursued it, it didn't work out. They were vexed. The Bible says there was no peace among them. How did they get peace? They entered into the covenant. They entered in 
to the covenant. And when you enter into the covenant, the covenant does what it does. We read earlier in Psalms where it says, God says, I won't break my covenant, nor will I alter the thing that came out of my mouth. Listen, let's look at Jeremiah 33. Pastor Sean and I read this on Sunday, and I certainly want to make sure I get to it tonight before we close. Jeremiah 33, 20 and 21. This fires me up. When I first found this scripture almost 15 years ago, it just fired me up. Why? Because it says, thus saith the Lord, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, that there should be not night and day in their seasons. Then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne and with the Levites, the priests, my ministers. When you read this scripture and you understand the context of what was being said and the premise behind why it was said, you understand how powerful the covenant is. Because literally what he says here, he says, except you're able to stop the day and the night from exchanging positions, then you can't cause God's covenant to fail. Well, what about my behavior? Your behavior doesn't make God's covenant fail. Oh, but if I fast, can I make God's covenant do something? Nope. The only way God covenants work is that you practice his covenant that you come into agreement with his covenant. You can't fast for it. You can't pray for it. You can't sow for it. Those are all things that we do, but we don't do them to get in his covenant. We have to come into agreement with his covenant. And then once we come into agreement with his covenant, whatever he tells us to do, that is part of being in his covenant. So I want to give you two things before we close. What are the factors that make the covenant of fruitfulness effective? What are the factors that make the covenant of fruitfulness effective? What are the factors? I'm going to give you two factors. And if you don't get anything else, I need you to get this and the fact that God wants to be good to you. Here are the two factors that make the covenant of fruitfulness effective in your life. Number one is what I call consecration. Now, not consecration probably like you used to hearing it if you grew up in the Pentecostal church. I'm talking about consecration in the way that the Bible talks about consecration. It talks about being dedicated or set apart for the service of God. That's what consecration is. My life, my life is dedicated and it is set apart for the glory of God. Let's look at Psalms 112 real quick. Thank y'all for still hanging in there. Psalms 112, one through two. It says, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Now, why, why is that important? He says that blessed and power to prosper is the man who does what? Feareth the Lord. Let's make sure we all understand and we're all on the same page. Fearing the Lord is not being terrified of God. It is a reverential fear. It is an awe. Blessed is the man who is in awe of the Lord. You know, if you take a little kid and a little kid uh, happens to like a superhero and if that kid gets to meet that superhero, even though they don't know it, it's just a person in a costume. If they get to meet that superhero, they are in awe of that superhero. And if that superhero told them to jump up and do a karate kick, that little kid would jump up and do a karate kick. Why? Because their hero told him to do it. Some of y'all need to make God your hero. 
Some of y'all need to make God your Iron Man. Some of y'all need to make God your Captain Marvel. You need to be so enamored with God that whatever he tells you to do, you are willing to do it. He says, blessed is the man that feareth, that reverence the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. I'm talking about moving from this place where I don't want to tithe, but God said I need to in order to be connected to the covenant. No, no, no. He says, who delights greatly in his commandments. So when God tells me to pray for somebody, I take delight in the opportunity that God would ask me to do that. When God says, give somebody a ride, I take great delight in the fact that God asked me to do that. When I'm asked to volunteer in the ministry where I say I got my life changed, I'm excited to do that. When God says to sow or to give or to do something to bless someone, I'm excited to do it. Why? Because I have been dedicated and set apart for the Lord. Psalms 92, 12 and 14, it says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. There it is again. The covenant guarantees us that, that old age again. I'm living at least a hundred. It says they shall be fat and flourishing. When he uses that word fat, he's talking about prosperous, not necessarily size. He says, you're going to be flourishing. You're going to be prosperous. You're going to be having more than enough to meet every need and do everything God has asked you to do. He says, understand, consecration is the very first factor that causes us to come into connection with the covenant of fruitfulness. What's the second one? Let me give it to you. You got consecration and then you got service. You got consecration and then you got service. Why is service important? Because remember those three things. We said the reason that God gives you prosperity in any area. If you don't remember, let, them, let me say them real quick. Number one, God wants to establish his covenant. He made a promise about how good he would be to us, and he wants to do it. Number two, he wants to promote his kingdom all over the globe. He wants to promote his kingdom in every village, every town, every city, every metropolis, every state, every region, every continent. He wants to promote his kingdom. And then number three, he wants to bless humanity. He wants to bless our socks off. And he, he, he's so loving. He's chosen us to partner with him so he can bless the world through us. He's, he's blessed us to be the water holes. <laughs> That's what Pastor Sean was saying when I walked the other day. I see, see, literally said, I'm so glad to be a water hose for Jesus. Why? Because he wants to bless humanity through us. So service is important. Let's look at Exodus 23 and 25 through 26. It says, and ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread. Did you catch it? And ye shall serve the Lord your God and. That word and is a conjunction. It means it connects two things. What does it connect? Me serving the Lord and me being blessed. He says, and ye shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. He says, again, we talked about that being resources, a representation of resources. He says, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. 
He goes on to say, there shall nothing cast their young nor be buried in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. We've read that a couple of times tonight. Why? It's important. He says, you gotta be a person of service. How do you serve God? By being obedient to what God is telling you to do. It will connect you to the covenant. When you are connected to the covenant through consecration and through service, God will not, hear me church, he will not allow the devil to plague you with lack and insufficiency in any area. That's what the enemy tried to accuse Job of. He said to God, he said, Job only serves you because you put a hedge of protection around him. He said, if you didn't have that hedge of protection around him, Job would curse you. And a lot of people read that story and they think that that story is about the devil trying to show God what Job was made of. But the opposite is true. God allowed what Job went through to show the devil what the covenant was made of. He says, you say that he only serves me because I got a hedge around him. He says, but I'll remove the hedge. And because Job understands the power of being connected to the covenant, even though he lost his kids, he know I can give him more kids. Even though he lost his possessions, he know I'll give him more possessions. Job never gave up being connected to the covenant. Even when his well-meaning friends said, why don't you just curse God and die. Listen, I don't care how bad it gets. I ain't leaving the covenant. I don't care what comes my way. I'm not getting rid of the covenant. I'm not throwing it away. I'm not saying it don't work. I ain't saying it got no power because whatever I may lose, as long as I'm connected, not only will God give me back what I lost, but he'll give me so much that it'll be like I never lost anything in the very first place. But I got to connect through consecration. I got to love God's word enough to do it. I got to love God enough, God's word enough to obey. And then I got to have service. I got to be willing to do what God's told me to do. I'm going to stop here and I'm going to share a testimony with you real quick because this is a good stopping point because Pastor Sean and I are going to pick some of this up with what we got to talk about on Sunday. Now, look at this. Let me just hang with me for just a moment. Don't, don't hop off if you're still on here. This is going to bless you. So last Wednesday, I, I was talking about how to prosper during a financial crisis. And one of the things I said uh, in that teaching is I said that the one thing you can't ever do during a financial crisis is you can't, uh, you can't stop doing what God has instructed you to do. And at the end of that message, Pastor Sean came on and, and, and she told some of y'all, you know, that y'all ought to sow into me and all those things. And you guys did. God bless you. Thank you. It was wonderful. I appreciate it. But 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 the thing that came out of that is we had a virtual partner. And, her, and she's and I've talked to her. She don't mind if I share this. Her name is Donna and Donna lives in Virginia. And I don't know if she's on here tonight. I couldn't see all the names. Um, I don't know if she's in here tonight. But but Donna sent me a message on Thursday. And it was kind of a strange message, but but that's okay. God does things a little differently sometimes, right? <laughs> Praise God. And she sent me a message. And in the message, she said, uh, she said, Pastor Edwin, this is going to sound weird, but can you tell me how much your ministry spends per month on internet access to do your broadcast? And I thought, well, you know, maybe she just wanted to know because maybe she's going to start a ministry or do something. I don't know. And, and I didn't know the number, uh, but I did text her back. Uh, we was in Messenger and I said, well, I don't know, but I can find out for you. 
Um, and, and of course, I just went and, and looked at the bill from the previous month, and it was eighty nine dollars and thirty cents. That's 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 what caught, that's what uh, AT and T charges us uh, for us to be able to do uh, this broadcast because we have internet in this building. And so I sent it back to her, and um, and she didn't respond. She didn't say anything. Uh, but then on Friday, she said to me, she said, "I did what you said. I asked the Lord if there was some way." that I could be a blessed, if I could do those three things. She said, I asked the Lord, how can I help establish his covenant? How can I promote his kingdom? And how can I be a blessing to humanity? And, and he do it through me. She said, and I asked the Lord that, that I wanted to do something above my tithe and my offerings. She said, and the Lord spoke to me. She said, and the Lord told me to pay for six months of internet access. She said, because I found your ministry via the internet and it's been such a tremendous blessing to me. I want to be a blessing to somebody else. And I thought that was so sweet because it's not about the amount of anything like that, but it's about the fact that she heard the word and then she asked Holy Spirit what she should do uniquely. And he gave her that instruction. And she asked me, she said, hey, she said, can you tell me, uh, you know, how, what was the best way to give? And I gave her all the things. And she said, OK, I'm going to do it on tidily. She said, because I want to also pay the fees. She said, I want to pay the fees so that my entire amount, it was $535.80. She said, I want that entire amount to go to paying for six months of internet access so that Fellowship of Champions can continue to get the word out so that we can continue to allow God to establish his covenant so we can continue to allow God to promote his kingdom. And I want to be used by God to, to, to bless humanity. She said, because I was blessed through the broadcast and I believe there are other people who will be blessed by it. I am telling you, that is how you practically apply the word to your life. That is how you practically apply the word to your life. And I'm challenging you to do that. It may not be giving anything to FOC. It may not be sowing anything into my life or Pastor Raph's life or Pastor Chris or Pastor Sean. I don't know, but I encourage you to ask God what you should be doing. And I know for a fact that he will speak to you. And if you will obey him, he will position you so that the enemy can never plague you with lack and insufficiency in any area of your life. And if you believe that, before you get off this broadcast, go ahead one more time and actually type it in the comment section. God <laughs> wants to be good to me. God wants to be good to me. That's what I wanted to share with you tonight. God wants to be good to me. And I'm telling you, of those of you that have been partners of the ministry uh, long enough, don't get so casual with hearing us teach the word that it doesn't set your soul on fire anymore. And then people who've never heard us are hearing this word and applying it to their lives, getting their lives changed. Don't you miss out. There is abundance for all of us. There is abundance for all of us, but God won't shortchange his system for any of us. Let me say that again. There is abundance for all of us, but God won't shortchange his system for any of us. Amen. And I'm telling you, part of this covenant, and we're going to talk about this uh, uh, in, in detail on Sunday, is the covenant of seed, time, and harvest. 
There's a covenant of seed, time, and harvest. It is connected to the covenant of fruitfulness. God says, I'm not going to let you be barren. I'm not going to let you be in lack. I'm not going to let you be in insufficiency. I'm not going to let you be without. I'm not going to let you come up short. I'm not going to let you be embarrassed. I'm not going to let you be shamed for the gospel's sake. He says, but I need you to get into practice with the very system I've set up to bless you. So that's why I'm challenging you guys. And I haven't said it for a long time. I'm challenging you. Become a tither. I'm challenging you. Become a regular, consistent giver. I'm challenging you. Ask God what you should be doing every day. Listen, you might be standing in the grocery line and the person in front of you may have a couple of items and God, you may not know them at all. And God may say to you, ask him if you can pay for that. I know it may seem weird. I know it may seem strange, but I'm telling you, don't pass up an opportunity for blessings because you think that somebody going to go off on you or something. The worst thing they can say is no. But at least you've been obedient to God in asking. I was so blessed by the testimony Pastor Shun shared uh, with one of her friends uh, who who was going to the different gas station. And the Lord said, no, go to this different gas station. And she went to the different gas station and she became a representative of God to 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 establish his covenant, to, to promote his kingdom and to bless humanity through another human being. I want to be that person. Lord, make me the man. Make me the man. I'm willing, God. Why? Because I know in my heart that no matter how good I am to other people, I can never be as good as God has been to me or as good as God's going to be to me. And I believe there's about 150 of y'all out there tonight who absolutely agree with this. I believe I, I believe in my heart that there are there is absolutely a, a new wave, a fresh revelation that is going forward. That's right. That's right. I cannot afford to miss an opportunity from God. And and, and I've been saying this, God, if I miss one, bring two more my way. I'm not perfect. So if I miss an opportunity, God, bring two more my way. I won't miss them next time. Why? Because I am determined that God wants to be good to me. And because he wants to be good to me, I want to be in a position to let him be as good to me as he can be. Amen. Listen, God bless y'all. Thank y'all for hanging in there. That's my 90 minutes. I'm done. Listen, let me run through the announcements just real quick. Just real quick. Listen, there are several ways you can give. There are several ways you can give. You can give through PushPay. You can give through Givelify. You can give through Tidely. You can give the text to give. Uh, you can give through uh, PayPal by going to focchurchnwa at gmail. There's a multitude of ways to give. Don't listen. I, I'm gonna say this. Don't be afraid to give. Don't be afraid to give. Don't let the enemy punk you. He he's trying so hard to put fear into your life. Because if he can get fear into your life, he can get doubt into your life and he gets doubt into your life. He gets worry into your life. And then when God tells you to do something, you'll hesitate. But the Bible says God loves a prompt, quick to do giver. He's looking for somebody who's not full of fear, worry and doubt. 
And so there's multiple ways that you can give. Listen, if you want to be a partner of the ministry, you can do that. All you got to do is go to our website. As soon as you get to the website, all you do, you don't even have to type all of that stuff you see on the, sc on the screen. Just go to www.focchurch.com. As soon as you scroll down just a little ways, you will see a partnership form right there on the website. Fill that out. Become a partner of Fellowship of Champions. You're here anyway. You're already watching the broadcast. There is privilege in partnership. Partnership has its privileges. It's like connecting to the covenant. When you connect to this ministry, the blessing is on this ministry gets on you. And so go ahead and make the decision. If you're watching this broadcast and you have not told us that we go together, if you haven't told us that we're in a relationship, fill out that form. Let us know we go together. Tell us, I want to be a partner. Well, I got a church home where I am locally. That's wonderful. You can still have a church home there and still partner with us. Why? Because we, because we, we, it's in the same way that God gives us all his word universally, but he speaks to us uniquely through the Holy Spirit. There's a particular anointing in this ministry that isn't found anywhere else. And I can say that boldly because if it was, we wouldn't be necessary. God has not duplicated us. There is, there, we ain't for everybody, but we for a whole lot of somebodies. And specifically those of you who keep tuning in, this is the place God is calling you to. And you might as well go ahead and connect so you can reap all the benefits of it. So if you haven't told us we go together, go to www.focchurch.com and become a virtual partner. Now, we have a multitude of ways for you to stay connected throughout the week. As you know, we're here tonight with Bible study, but tomorrow night, Thursday night, we have Ignite at 7 p.m. Why? Because we want our teens to be on fire. That's why we call it Ignite. We want to ignite something in them so that they will become people who are excited about God. We also provide Victory Zone for our little children, and that is on demand. They can watch that anytime. They can watch it on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday. Some of you are still working from home and you can't keep them quiet. Go ahead and let them watch the Victory Zone on demand while you're on that conference call. Right now, they're doing a series entitled Bible Trivia. They are learning about what's in the Bible and how much fun it can be to learn all these different characters and all these different stories. But the, but the most important piece behind that is we want to teach them the lessons in those stories so they learn how to live it out in their lives. I was reading some research and it said most people make a commitment to live to God before the age of 18. If they haven't made that commitment, the likelihood that they make that commitment dramatically goes down. And so we want to make sure that we're uh, getting with our littles and our teens as early as possible. And then on Friday morning, 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, all the champions show up. We show up for Friday night, I mean, for Friday morning prayer at 6.30 a.m., if you're watching me right now, however you're watching me, you could probably watch Friday prayer for that same platform. But we certainly stream from the Fellowship of Champions page uh, and from, and from the, all the Fellowship of Champions groups, from my page, Pastor page, Christian Valley Worship's page, Rapid. Listen, if you want to find us, you can find us Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. 
the champions show up for prayer. And then we let you rest on Saturday. And on Sunday mornings, we kick everything off with the valleys. That's right. Pastor Kristen Valley and Elder Nagel Valley, they show up and show out and they lead us into worship. They help till up the ground and get us ready to receive the word of God. That happens at 9.30 a.m. Central Standard Time on Sunday mornings. And it is a blessing. Listen, it's a wonderful thing that you can be in your kitchen right now and you could be cooking your breakfast, getting your coffee ready, worshiping, walking back and forth. Chris didn't ask you to just sit down on the couch and listen to her. She's like, whatever you got to do, whatever you do, fill your space. You can take that and put it on your Bluetooth speaker, pump it through your speaker system in your house, whatever you want to do, but just let the word of worship saturate you. Amen. Because after she's done, me and my cute boo, we show up on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, and we teach you what God is teaching us. Amen. We don't have a lot of a lot of themes and a lot of a lot of days like hat day and usher day, and we, we, we just preach the word whatever day it is, amen. And so we ask you to come and to join us on Sundays. And then, of course, on Mondays, during your lunch hour, you can join us uh, for Strategies for Success. Pastor Sean drops in for about an hour or so, and she drops uh, words of wisdom, spiritual nuggets on various topics. It's a great way to just grab some good, solid spiritual information uh, on a Monday in, in between your work time. Again, that's 12 noon Central Standard Time. So that may be a late lunch on the East Coast or, or late breakfast on the West Coast or the middle of the night, depending on where you are around the world. But you can always catch that on replay. She broadcasts at least from her personal page and from her professional page. So if you are friends with her on one of those, you'll be able to catch it. And then on Tuesday night, we pray again. Y'all pray again? Yep. Because something supernatural always happens when we pray. So on Tuesday night, we pray at 8 p.m. And let me just shout out the 85, I mean, the 87 partners who showed up last Tuesday. Bravo to you. Bravo to you. Bravo, bravo, bravo. We had 87 of you uh, show up as Chandra was praying. And, and I appreciate that. I'm looking for at least that many on Friday morning. Why? Because prayer is important. And she talked about praying those prayer initiatives and not letting those things slip. And sometimes we'll go through and we'll do something and it'll be a blessing to you. And then life happens and we forget about it. So Minister Shandy was reminding us, go back to those prayer initiatives that we did early in the year and revisit those and make sure you're making those confessions. And then, of course, on Wednesday night. We're right back here for Refresh Bible Study. Pastor Raph will be back. He will be back. He's coming back. He's going to finish talking about the love of God or whatever the Lord puts on his heart. He is coming back. Listen, bravo to Jesus. And thank you, Pastor Raph, for allowing me to steal another night. I appreciate it. Love you, man. Listen, we're just trying to make sure that all of our partners are in a position to be blessed. Amen. Praise God. Listen, that's all the announcements I had. Just want to remind those of you who are planning to come to live in-person service on July the 4th, Sunday, July the 4th, you need to register. 
I need to I need to go and check and see. I know it hadn't closed yet because I hadn't got the notification that it's closed. So I know it's not full yet. I know it's a holiday. If you're going to be out of town, that's fine. We're not tripping. We understand. Listen, those of you who don't live uh, where you could even get here, don't worry. We're still going to show up just like we've been for the last 18 months or however many months it's been. We'll be right here still teaching the word of God to you virtually. So, so don't worry about it. Amen. But just know, just know if you come, if you're coming, you must register. You must register. Amen. And then also, I don't want to forget, I'm going to make a bigger announcement about it later. In the month of July, you guys know that's our biggest time. It's our scholarship push. It's the biggest time. It's our scholarship push. I'm going to be talking about it on Sunday. It starts July 1st. The organization that agreed last year to match us dollar for dollar, they have agreed again to partner with us, but not for dollar for dollar. <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, they said they had never had anybody raise $10,000 in their matching grant program in less than 24 hours. And so this year, what they've agreed to do is they have agreed uh, to match us uh, two for one. Every $2 we raise, they will kick in $1 up to $10,000. So instead of raising $10,000 and they're giving us $10,000, this year we'll have to raise $20,000 before they'll give us the 10. But you know what? It's already done. It's already done. We ain't scared. It's already done. Especially soon, they don't know about us. And I actually told them, I said, now don't be surprised. We are subject to raise $20,000 in the first 24 hours. I said, because uh, we, we got some partners who are just on fire for God. And we know what these scholarships mean for kids. We know that it does those three things we've talked about. And so we're getting ready for, for July 1st. And then remember to register uh, to attend in-person service if you haven't done that. But our scholarship program is coming up. Our goal this year is $50,000. Our goal this year is $50,000. Uh, we did it last year um, in the midst of a pandemic, <laughs> praise God. We raised $50,000 in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, that's our minimum goal this year. Uh, we're looking uh, to, to, to raise that first $20,000 as quickly as we can so we can secure uh, the other $10,000, which would put us at 30. Uh, and then we'll have the rest of the month uh, to raise the, the other 20. Uh, and after we raise that, then we'll keep going. We'll keep going because the more money um, that we raise during the month of July is just the more scholarships we can fund in the next academic school year. Amen. All right. That's enough of me talking. Love y'all. God bless you. Have a great night. Uh, see you guys on Friday morning. Ignite. Uh, should be showing up at seven. So people get your teens ready. Uh, and I'll see you guys. I'll see y'all. Y'all won't see me. We'll see Pastor Mitra. <laughs> Praise God on Friday morning. Amen. God bless y'all. Y'all have a wonderful night.